The Myers-Briggs Type Indicator is a self-reporting style questionnaire that looks at the psychological preferences of how people perceive the world and make decisions. There are four main categories that reveal insights into your personality, such as whether you're introverted or extroverted, thinking or feeling, decide by sensing or your intuition, and judge or perceive. One letter is taken from each of the categories to create your four-letter results, such as INFJ, like me. In some versions of this test, you're also provided an archetype name. And while I'll go into the archetypes later in the podcast, there's one feature of the INFJ that people find very confusing. INFJs are the introverted, intuitive, feeling, and judgment types. These types are often the odd man out, feeling different from others around them. Even with plenty of friends, they often feel like they don't fit in. They're shy, quiet, reserved, but also charming and fun and entertaining. But who you get depends on the situation and what people are there. I love my archetype and think that we have so much to offer this world. However, there is one piece that fits with the INFJ that is very disliked, even controversial. INFJs are known as caring, open, and giving. We will give relentlessly and almost to the point of being too much. However, we are very much an all or nothing kind of person. At some point, after feeling like we've been used, mistreated, or simply can't deal with a specific behavior, there comes a turning point. One way is communication, and that resolves things, bringing a healthy path forward, a place to grow. The other is much harsher. Today, we're talking about the INFJ door slam. Welcome to Candidly Creative, a bi-weekly podcast from Creatively Caitlin that focuses on open, honest conversations. If you like what you hear, follow me on Instagram at creatively underscore Caitlin, or head to my website, www.caitlinnorum.com. Before we dive deeper into this door slamming concept, let's introduce the archetypes. There are 16 distinct archetypes. While you may not end up in purely one, one will predominantly lead your personality. The first is the INTJ. These are the masterminds of the world, and according to one article I found, they are the architects. They are brilliant and capable, imaginative and ambitious. They think outside of the box. However, they hold people to their high standards and often are arrogant and judgmental, the neurotic perfectionist of the group. The INTP archetype is the engineer. These inventive and creative people are also very logical and very precise. They can be unsympathetic and very insensitive to others' emotions since they simply don't understand them. The ENTJ is the commander. These are natural-born leaders. Full of charisma and confidence, they are efficient and big-picture thinkers. They also are very decisive in dealing with minor crises. The bad side is they are very stubborn and lack the ability to both receive input from others, but also compromise. They are often hurtful in their bluntness and come across as ruthless and cold. The ENTP is the visionary. 
these knowledge hungry folks love to debate and mentally spar with others. They are intelligent and honestly like to attack from all angles. They are argumentative, honestly, and often end up causing tension and unhappiness. But they are incredibly intelligent and can absorb knowledge at an incredible rate. The INFJ, or my archetype, is called the advocate, sometimes the campaigner or the counselor. While they're idealistic, they also have the determination and willpower to change the world for the better. They are creative, sensitive, have a deep sense of conviction, connect well with others, and genuinely care for the feelings of those around them. However, they can be very sensitive to criticism and extremely private. They suffer from burnout very easily and often isolate themselves. The INFP is the idealist or healer. They see the good in everything and everyone. Their guiding principles are honor, beauty, virtue, and they have a definitive inner compass of right and wrong that give them an ability to express themselves, especially through metaphors, on what they should be doing. However, they can neglect the day-to-day demands of life and ignore very important details. And they can become racked with guilt for not giving enough of themselves and be very self-conscious. The ENFJ is a leader and teacher. Similar to the ENTJ, this archetype is also home of our natural-born leaders. They love seeking out truth and justice. They are great at communicating effectively with a wide variety of people. However, they can also be a little over-idealistic and not accept reality. They can spread themselves a little too thin, and their self-esteem depends greatly on how successful they are. The ENFPs are our dreamers and champions. These free spirits are constantly searching for their meaning and take joy in seeing the world as a complex maze of emotions. However, they rely almost too much on intuition and are not very practical. They become stressed very easily and struggle to work within standard work structures. The ISTJ archetype is our worker, our inspectors. They are tirelessly dedicated to their feeling of duty and practicality. They focus on facts and they're very self-sufficient. However, again, being very factual, they are sometimes insensitive about others' impracticality. They are by the book and that is the end of the story. And sometimes flexibility is required. The ISFJ is the protector, the caregiver. These kind, gentle humans underplay their achievements while going beyond what anyone else would do. They are hardworking, loyal, great listeners, and take the time to remember the details of others' lives that makes them feel important and special. However, on the other side of it, they tend to be the doormats due to their shyness and humility. They can take things very, very personally and overload themselves, but are also reluctant to change. The ESTJ is the supervisor. Traditions, order, organization. That's the name of the game. They live by their principles and believe in hard work. They are very resistant to change and dislike unconventional situations. And they don't often let loose or express their emotions. The ESFJs are the cheerleaders and the providers. These are the very popular folks that are the life of the party, but not just for show. They actually love being around people and talking to them. They are practical and need to feel valued and appreciated, just like the rest of us, of course, 
but almost more so. But rather than facts or politics or philosophy, they care about more frivolous things such as fashion or gossip. Their need for value often comes across as neediness and they can be oversensitive to criticism. ISTPs are mechanics or craftspeople. They can pull apart a machine and put it back together and it'll function better than it did before. They explore the world physically and need firsthand experience. They're energetic and amazing in a crisis, but can easily get bored and dislike commitment. They like to push boundaries and take risks just for fun. ISFPs are the artists and composers, colorful, sensual, inspired. They love thinking outside of the box and spontaneity. They are constantly reinventing themselves. However, they are a little unpredictable and can easily lose their temper. They can be selfish and manipulative very emotional and bad losers. The adventurers are the ESTP archetype. They don't plan. They go forth and find that adventure. They love being the center of attention and love intelligent conversations. They believe rules were made to be broken and are very perceptive, which helps because this unplanned life they lead can be a little unpredictable. However, they're also very blunt and honest, which ruffles feathers, and their risky behavior often lands them in hot water. ESFPs are the entertainers. They thrive in the spotlight and every day feels like a party. They are great friends, ready to provide emotional support, but they do focus on immediate pleasure. They are playful and fun, but hate criticism. They avoid conflict and will say or do anything to avoid it. They don't like planning and are easily bored, but they are fun. While these are very generalized, short summaries of the archetypes, they provide a decent explanation of each. Different quiz sites will call them by different names, but the general traits are the same. One will lead, but there will obviously be traits from others that resonate. And obviously no single archetype is better than the other. They all have amazing positive aspects and some that are less amazing, you know, negative. As I mentioned, I am an INFJ. I resonate really well with other INFJs because we understand each other. Even if you never see it, since we are very reserved, we feel deeply and fully. We often prioritize everyone and everything before ourselves. Because of this, we burn out pretty darn fast, and when we are feeling emotionally messed about or abused or even just straight overloaded with no end in sight, we need something to change. Not want, not desire, 100% absolutely need. If we cannot find a resolution, whether by it being denied or ignored, we find ourselves at this deeper place. We either choose to continue and feel the hurt, pain, and frustrations, or we end it. When we do choose to end it, we literally slam the door on the emotional ties that have started that issue. While it comes from a place of self-preservation, you wouldn't know it, because the hallmarks of this door slam are the exact opposite of what you would expect your INFJ friend to be. Cold, ambivalent, and completely done. No emotions, no regret, fully cut off. 
This door slam is our way of cutting off people who we find harmful or toxic to our mental health. Typically, there are stages or warning signs that preempt this door slam. You might feel distanced or that the person is being very critical of a certain behavior that never used to bother them before. But those are attempts at being non-confrontational and showing others that we need space or the behavior needs to change. One article from psychreal.com talked about the different types of door slamming. These can be a full cutoff or maybe you're still involved with them because you either have to or you want to. Door slamming can be direct and confrontational or indirect and emotional. The emotional door slam might be a little less obvious. I feel I try to do this first to maintain my mental health. With some people, INFJs can tolerate the person, but require disconnection from them emotionally. We're no longer willing to show our vulnerabilities or share our deep thoughts. This protects us from further harm, but also attempts to not hurt the other person's feelings. And usually works. It can be a win-win. That is, if the other person doesn't become bothered by that distance and can maintain that the relationship at this new level is something they want. However, the more dramatic, severe, and controversial door slam is the direct confrontational one. This often happens when close friends or romantic partners completely disconnect and cut their lives off from that person. This can be in blocking them from your phone, no longer interacting with them on a daily basis, unfriending or unfollowing on social media, and swiftly cutting off any form of communication. It's literally throwing away anything that reminds you of that connection and a forceful act to minimize them into almost nothingness in our lives. It's quick, it often seemingly comes out of nowhere, and it's complete. One day you are friends and talking with no problems that you know of, and the next you don't exist to them. It sounds like a massive overreaction from the outside, but it's the last resort when INFJs can't deal with the tumultuous relationship or behaviors that they're experiencing. We INFJs essentially feel so strongly and deeply that we have to completely shut down our emotions to survive the pain that's being experienced. So why do we slam the door? It can be a result of toxic and repeatedly hurtful or stressful behavior. It could be that after attempts to handle it more indirectly over time, we see that there's no other way. Harmony and emotional support are so vital to us that we can't make ourselves the purposeful target of chaos. It can be when someone is consistently overstepping our boundaries or continuously complaining about their life. These dramatic and unnecessary conflicts are just too much for us to deal with. Yes, you can share the things that bother you and bad things in your life, but if that's all you share ever with us and there's nothing else to de-stress or to recharge us in like a happy, positive way, it becomes a drain. And while I know I can forgive anyone for almost anything, I have a tendency to play Miss Fix-It and try to save everyone and see the best in people. I'm down for helping anyone grow or work through emotions or tough times. I enjoy when people come to me and rely on me. However, we often lack boundaries and drain ourselves 
by trying to help others and forget to recharge ourselves. When we hit that limit and people show no signs of growth, change, remorse, or follow through, then all that's left to do is to slam the door because in our minds, there is simply no point in giving them any more of our energy and support. We shut down and cut off people for a multitude of reasons, but perhaps deep down, it might be a deep fear of being vulnerable in front of others because of a fear of not being accepted, not being loved, or even of being abandoned. Is that 100% it? I don't know. I would need to research much more on the subject to fully understand this. But I can see that potentially being in that vulnerable place would result in that type of reaction. Is it the absolute healthiest response? I don't think so. But it is how we prevent ourselves from being completely overwhelmed and out of control. The biggest thing is to learn how to set boundaries and how to keep them in place. Followed by learning that it's not confrontational to address something that's bothering you. This psychreal.com article that I was reading actually had a really great quote that they shared. When you notice someone does something toxic the first time, don't wait for a second time before you address it or cut them off. Many survivors are used to the wait and see tactic, which only leaves them vulnerable to a second confrontation. As your boundaries get stronger and wait time gets shorter, you never have to justify your intuition. This was said by Shahida Arabi. I apologize if I mispronounced that, but I'll link the article in the description to make sure that um, everyone can read deeper if they want to. So this door slam happens oftentimes without any explanation of boundaries as the INFJ works to learn their own. The whole idea sounds very severe and frustrating to deal with from the outside and sometimes it's just necessary. I'll give two examples of when I've had to slam the door on people. The first was very non-confrontational and just emotional. The relationship between my ex-fiance and me was not one that I would call healthy. I've talked in other episodes why, but if you're a new listener, the short version is that he was an alcoholic and emotionally, verbally, and physically abusive. I tolerated being shoved, cornered, dodging things, threats of harm, verbal assaults, and so much more. I was no saint in the relationship, and I quote-unquote knew if I could just be a little better, more stable, happier, cleaner, less confrontational, I could somehow save him and we could have this happy, healthy family that I dreamed of. The reality was that this was never going to change. Alcoholism is a disease. It's not something that you can wish away and be nice enough to fix or stable enough to fix. There's no enough that fixes someone's alcoholism. After a weekend of abuse that was completely unfounded, after he had lost three jobs for quote-unquote weird reasons, only to find out that he'd been drinking when I would get home from work, I hit that wall. Either I stepped to the left and walked through the door to another umpteen months of abuse, or I slammed it. So, I slammed it. Just not so hard. The breakup was quick. I wouldn't say it was emotionless, because I still hurt a lot. And it took a lot of healing and time to get over it. However, I knew that there would and could never be a relationship between us again. 
I think I was much more emotional and did actually stay in contact with him until I fully healed. But now it's almost nothing. While I do have love, or at least the memory of love in my heart for him, I don't hold any anger or resentment or anything. I feel nothing towards him. I hope that he's doing well, but I don't want to go find out. I have cut off all connections and slammed that door to that relationship. And the only other time that I've truly slammed the door was unfortunately recent. A friend of more than a decade and I had been growing apart for probably over a year. I will fully admit and own that I did not make much of an effort to consistently reach out when she didn't. Looking back now in a self-reflection phase, I see it was simply because I didn't want to be around her. It felt healthier to be friends from a distance and get together to catch up and dish about our lives and have the fun and then step away again. Well, without going into too much detail that would give too much away and tell you exactly who this was, the long and short of it was that a fight that we had was the tipping point. She was a great friend to me. She would be over in a drop of a hat if I asked her to, and I used to be a great friend to her. Somewhere over the years, I agree that it became a claim to be best friends when the follow-through and actions on both of our parts were just not there. This was not a situation where I was the perfect friend and she betrayed me. No such drama. There were behaviors I did not like, so I subconsciously distanced myself. And I think she realized it before me. Instead of communicating it with me, it ended up blowing up in a single fight over something that was so small, that was obviously infused with so much resentment and anger. But that fight cut me so deeply that it sparked something different. It was this knowledge that this behavior is not new. This is something that we have talked about, even joked about that the behavior previously was too much or probably needed to be controlled. And having it be flipped on to me provided a realization that the behavior was never really going to stop and maybe it was time to just own that. Now, this is all said after a period of reflection and kind of that hindsight is 2020. So I certainly was not this calm during our fight or directly after and suddenly so self-aware that I knew exactly why this was happening. But we had our fight and I expected an apology or at least a little remorse for how it was handled. And there's a chance that if I had given more time, she might have. But I got to a place where I looked at if she would fit into my life moving forward in any sort of healthy way, and I couldn't picture it. We had grown so far apart and had so many of these issues that we never spoke about that I thought she understood bothered me that I didn't see any healthy way of moving forward. And I'm not saying this to excuse anything that she did or a lack of my awareness and communication of boundaries. But that door needed to be slammed. It was very swift, probably unexpected, and finite. We will never be friends again, or at least I don't see a way. But I don't wish her ill will. I don't hold anger towards her. I do feel feel some sort of love and remembrance of our history together, but I cannot have a relationship with her any longer. 
And this door slam actually caused a different friend of mine to send me an article about this INFJ door slam, which turned on the light bulb that resulted in this podcast. I've been reading a lot of articles about this door slamming, and it's becoming such an interesting concept to me. We are such emotional creatures, and myself and other INFJs traditionally suck at boundaries, so it's not just me. It's kind of how we're built. Easily become overwhelmed, and we give, 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 and then suddenly we are burnt out. We are overwhelmed, and we are so just destroyed that we can either knowingly kill our spirit or shove a big old knife to the heart of that relationship. So if you're a friend or partner of someone who is an INFJ, how can you even try to avoid this door slam if it's not always so evident? Well, I will admit it is easier said than done. I often wear my emotions on my sleeve, so it's pretty evident how I'm feeling. I assume everyone is aware enough of what I'm either struggling with or displeased with and without having to actually call that directly out. That's not fair to everyone. I completely understand that. But the only way to prevent a door slam is to be very communicative. Because the reality is, the words that you say to me, the emotions that you approach me with, and the treatment that you give me and others around me matter so highly. And if I feel that these things are repeatedly aggressive, repeatedly overstimulating, or repeatedly damaging mentally or emotionally, it's hard to even want to maintain that relationship. If your INFJ truly matters to you, focus on open communication and empathy. Try to understand what they're feeling and why and talk to them about it. It might be uncomfortable and they might react negatively at first. However, after that quick rush of anger and defensiveness fades, understanding and self-reflection typically follows. We recognize our issues, especially after they're pointed out by someone, and take things to heart, albeit sometimes too much to heart. But we do make an effort to change and be better. Every situation that I've gone through, whether it's been a healing situation or a destructive one, such as the door slam, I've learned from it. How can I be better or learn or do things more appropriately next time? In this case, the abusive relationship, I don't know how that could have been resolved in any other way than slamming that door because he was never going to change and I had to accept that. In the friendship, we certainly should have talked sooner. Unfortunately, that wasn't our path and now I wish her the best, but there's no way to move forward together. Maybe it's simply an excuse to end things before they do on our terms. Maybe it's a poor coping mechanism. Maybe it's how we excuse away a decision to end relationships. I'm torn on whether it's a healthy self-preservation concept or it's how our brains overreact to overwhelm. So what do you think? Do you think the door slam is simply a personality trait or do you think it's an excuse? I would love to see how the different archetypes see and react to this behavior. If you like what you hear on this podcast, head over to my website, www.caitlinnorm.com, and sign up for my Creative Circle. My Creative Circle gets notifications of new episodes of the podcast, new blogs, and information that I know you'll love. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay creative.